Hello and a very warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. Today I am thrilled to be joined by Jenny Canal. Jenny is co-founder and director of Mindfulness Africa and facilitates mindfulness, compassion and insight courses, retreats, talks, workshops and presentations for various groups. Jenny is committed to making mindfulness training accessible to the youth and to people from impoverished communities and teaches mindfulness through the Salasians Life Choices NGO. Jenny is trained as a human rights lawyer and is the mother of three children. She is inspired by Nelson Mandela, who wrote about the need for daily meditation. You can start your mindfulness and resilience journey with Jenny through the UCT Law at Work web-based learning course, which she is hosting, and it starts on the 8th of October. And we will provide a link to find out more about this fantastic opportunity in the podcast description. So Jenny, a very warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Tom. And just having met you now um, and having spoken to you for the last few minutes, just wanted to say it feels an absolute privilege on my part to be here. So thank you so much for your endeavors and uh, for bringing me on. It's really lovely to be here. Well, you're very kind, and I think our listeners are going to really enjoy today, and I, I certainly am already. So let's let's dive right in. So human rights lawyer to mindfulness, meditation, and resilience trainer. I'll be blunt. How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I think the, you know, the, with that question, it's almost like the most, I think the most wonderful things in life on, are not planned. You know, we never know where we're going to land up um, and what we're going to land up doing and how life evolves. So for me, just to say, kind of growing up in South Africa and in, in the kind of apartheid um, legal system, it was... Um, for me, I think just personally, it was the sense of wanting to dismantle the legal framework. That's what set me off to do um, human rights work and to get involved. And it was a very exciting time, you know, in the early 90s, with the release of Nelson Mandela and just being available and being part of that generation that got involved in developing, um, you know, our new constitution and our democracy. Um, and as you you know, how do we get to mindfulness and so forth? I think it's about that uh, inner journey um, that uh, we all take, you know, that introspective inner journey. Um, and for me, it was connecting with um, Rob Nen, and I wanted to say that uh, Rob Nen himself was also a lawyer, a, a professor of criminology, my own meditation teacher, who was also a professor of law. And uh, connecting with him over the last 30 years, really, and, um, and then being asked by him to come and do training with him and uh, to start teaching uh, mindfulness and meditation. It's a wonderful bit of history, and I, I like the idea that it was the willingness to be a wrecking ball as a human rights barrister and uh, a solicitor and knocking down the apartheid system, and yeah. now it's a focus on being a wrecking ball against mental illness and, and isolation and, and all sorts that mindfulness and meditation can help us with. So keep breaking things, <laughs> I think, is the lesson <laughs> that we led there. Having the courage, yes, to do that. And let me just say very honestly, when I became a mom, that was really one of the toughest times to really, you know, um, look at my own kind of inner stability, how to regulate my own emotions and how to develop kind of inner uh, equanimity. This was like a big thing for me. And um, yeah, just to 
to have that sense of being really honest with myself, having the courage to look at my own vulnerabilities and uh, finding out what works, you know, and uh, mind training does that. So whatever we call it, whether we call it meditation or mindfulness or resilience, it's all about mind training. And it's it's been a really worthwhile exercise for me. It's really been very helpful for me in my life. And that's why I love to share it. Superb, superb. And, and, and Jenny, you're the lead tutor on the resilience training mm. online learning course from our friends at UCT Law at Work. So beyond the, de- uh, the dictionary definition, what does or should resilience mean to us? And does it have a uh, specific pertinence to the legal industry? Right. So, well, you know, the legal definition, not the legal definition, the medical definition is really about um, our ability to bounce back from difficulty. And, you know, the legal profession, we're really about dealing with conflicts, dealing with people's problems and, and trying to provide a service and care. So we ourselves, you know, go through um, difficulties. We've all got, uh, by the very fact that we're human beings, we've got a nervous system and we all become dysregulated. And it's really about learning how to regulate our nervous system, how to come back into resilience. Um, So it's actually a very wonderful uh, skill to have and very useful just in life. And of course, in working life, especially in the legal profession, which is quite a stressful profession. And with specific regard to the course itself, what can participants expect to gain from this course? And why is now the perfect time for resilience, uh, you know, a resilient self-audit, if you will, and and skills development? Yeah, well, you know, I think at the moment with COVID, um, more and more we're all just admitting how um, many of us are very, very stressed out and, um, you know, we need to take care of ourselves. So more and more people are kind of coming in and wanting to work on themselves. So uh, with regards to the course and what one can get out of it, you know, I wanted to bring to mind, I don't know if you've heard of um, the, the threat system in the brain, the flight and fright system. Ah, no, I, I know basically of it, but yeah. please do, please do <laughs> advance my understanding. Yeah, so... Um, it's our protective mechanism when it comes to uh, emotion regulation. So, you know, it gives us our bursts of kind of anger or fear when we feel threatened. So a lot of people have heard about this. This is what releases all the cortisol and adrenaline in order for us to protect ourselves. But what is less known is that we also have two other systems in the brain that helps us with emotion, uh, emotion regulation. And that is the um, drive system in the brain. So I'm sure you've heard of uh, dopamine. Um, and that is really, it, it's, it's the kind of hormones and the neurotransmitters that are produced um, through what we call the drive system. So everything that gets you up and going, everything that motivates you, all those type of emotions, release dopamine. And we really need that um, to kind of get going, to fulfill, uh, you know, to, to thrive in society. And so we've got this threat system and we've got this uh, drive system. But the most important one, and in the last 20 years is where a lot of the research has gone into, is the contentment system. And so the contentment system is what balances our drive and our protective mechanism. And this is, you know, it's all the things in life that make you feel at ease with yourself, make you feel safe, make you feel nurtured. And that releases um, the endorphins or the neurotransmitters called um, um, 
in, sorry, the endorphins, uh, the oxytocin, the serotonin, all the feel-good stuff that make you feel safe and nurtured and so forth. So meditation is one of those practices, or we can call it mindfulness, that really helps us to have that sense of it's okay. You know, we're safe, we're okay within ourselves. So it really helps to regulate um, the, the kind of threat-based and the drive-based emotions and to really get us into a, a state of contentment, um, a state of rest. So it's really about the question that, that one looks for is, are we able to rest our own minds? You know, at the end of the day, we can um, be doing great work and we can be of service to others, but it's really about can we, you know, um, take care of ourselves because we aren't able to take care of others if we aren't able to take care of ourselves. So it's about learning how to settle the mind, how to rest the mind, and really to um, to nurture ourselves so we can be of service to others. That's what I would say. The, it's It gives us those type of skills. That's what this kind of mind training is about. It sounds absolutely essential to me. And I think the, the phrase content is is underused and misunderstood mm, mm. There's, there's there's no better position to be in it it's somewhat of a bedrock for our ability to do so many of the other things that are required of us contentment mm. in oneself must mm. be established before we can try and seek to deliver contentment in others so uh, another point to be made is we've talked about its specific relevance to the legal industry on a subject matter base but also on its on this on this course's uh format I want to flag the fact that this is is just 30 minutes each workday afternoon across the 8th of October to the 26th of November. So, you know, forgive the shameless plug, but this is a short amount of time to hand over for something which is going to deliver some some fantastic results and 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 something which is extremely relevant right now. So, there's no excuse you two busy lawyers to have a look and sign up. And I'm going to make sure we include a link to register for this, this piece of training um, in the podcast description. Um, but, but Jenny, moving on, mm. Africa Legal has recently launched our Ubuntu Mental Health Matters initiative. And this is principally aimed at destigmatizing and tackling mental health issues in the legal profession. Now, in your experience, what are some of the best and most practical steps that all lawyers can take to help alleviate mental health and stress-related problems? Um, thanks for that, Tom. And I just want to come back to the, the previous point that you flagged. You know, this, this, this uh, resilience course is, has been developed specifically to accommodate um, the busy legal profession and working professionals. So it's just for 30 minutes. And just wanted to say there that what we do, and it answers the second question as well, is that what we're learning, in fact, is how to regulate our nervous system. And what I wanted to say to you is that we've got, you know, when we are feeling threatened, when we have a lot of stress, we become dysregulated. And what happens is that the instinctive part of the brain is in operation. So I don't know if anyone's ever said to you, you know, calm down when, you, when you're feeling threatened or you're feeling anxious or feeling fearful. You just can't because it's, this part of the brain is pre-verbal, it's pre-linguistic. So the only way to actually regulate ourselves when we're out of dysregulation, when we are stressed, is through the nervous system, learning about the nervous system. So this, 
what we're trying to focus here is how to do that. And we've got practices, and this is practiced worldwide. We've got practices that actually under a minute get us through the, the sensations in the body because the sensations in the body are the language of the nervous system to enable us within a minute to actually help regulate ourselves. So it's very doable um, to develop this kind of resilience and equanimity of mind. And I must say, in my personal experience, spending yeah. a little bit of time um, learning about active breathing has been one yes. of my most useful uh, uh, coping mechanisms. And I'm, I'm sure that the power of breathing and controlled and active breathing will play quite a part in the, uh, in the training, I imagine. Absolutely. And thanks for bringing that up. So that is one of the main places um, that we go to is our breath. And uh, it affects our nervous system. Just an extended breath actually calms the whole, what we call the sympathetic nervous system down. And um, even just before I started this meeting, that's all that I was doing is just taking a moment to breathe in slightly longer, a little bit, a few gentle breaths, and my whole nervous system calms down. So absolutely, Tom, um, you've got inherent intelligence already, and we all do in a way, you know, we've just got to unearth it and see what are we doing already in life that gives us this resilience or this capacity, and then kind of building and growing that consciously. Fantastic. Thanks for the additional insight. And you're also involved with invigorating and exploring mindfulness training for aspirant judges and magistrates. What do you see as the key benefits that could be imparted through mindfulness training for the judiciary? Uh, I mean, should every judge be trained in mindfulness? <laughs> Such a good question. And this is what uh, myself and Rob Nairn, my own meditation teacher of the last 30 years, um, we had this lovely discussion with Hugh Corder, who uh, was at the time, this is about 10 years ago already, you know, head of, uh, he was the dean at the law school at the uh, University of Cape Town. And we had this discussion and, uh, you know, he thought that this is fantastic. It's a fantastic training. And he connected us with some constitutional court judges. And they were also very, very keen. And um, it just didn't take off at the time, simply because we found that judges had very little time to actually do training. So it is something of a, of a logistical problem. But I am busy at the moment trying to develop a course through Stanford University, specifically aimed at um, the legal profession and looking. So it's quite an interesting thing, you know, when we, we look at trying to be uh, objective in our work. And it's so important when it comes to legal work. And so it's really about coming into mind training and looking at our internal environment and uh, acknowledging that we are, that we have implicit biases and we have our own conditioning and being able to see how that comes up and recognize it, and then also to work with it. So um, throughout the years, compassion training has been a proven, um, has, we've got a lot of uh, evidence-based work and research that shows that we can really combat our own um, implicit bias through working with compassion and basing it on common humanity. So there's quite a lot of work already out there, and I'd love to develop something specifically for the the legal profession. So that's that's my uh, that's on the top of my agenda, and I think I'm going to drag you in with me. <laughs> we need as many willingly, people willingly dragged. <laughs> I will I will willingly walk with you on that one. I I find your reference towards 
acceptance or awareness of mm-hmm. uh, of things like implicit bias most interesting because in my very limited personal experience one of the hardest but most important or it's an absolute prerequisite step to mm-hmm. you know going on this journey is a willingness to self audit and accept that you may or are affected by things that could be considered negative if they're not destigmatized and and being able to accept that you are currently being impacted or expressing certain behaviors is mm-hmm. the vital first step and that jars with the legal profession because this is a profession that is told that you must be sure and confident and 100% correct 100% of the time. Mm. And so to even consider what is negatively and incorrectly considered weakness and admit that is is absolutely juxtaposed to that line of thinking. So I think it is required that there's a specialist treatment and attitude towards mindfulness, compassion training, implicit bias training for the legal profession, because it's a profession which is constantly told that a surety and confidence and a lack of weakness is is absolutely required at all times. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what, just, just, of course, unconditional acceptance of what's actually happening is so important. And for us to have the courage to really face our own humanity. And we, you know, as human beings, we are imperfect and we learn through mistakes and no one is any different than that. We all, we all share that. And it's so important that we work very realistically with ourselves. And also just to say, my love, that in, in, in the, in the years that have, that uh, I've been working um, and developing courses. It's also just to say that we have so much scientific evidence to show that when we train in mindfulness, when we actually, uh, you know, spend time doing mind training, that we're actually growing our executive functioning of the brain. So I just want to put this in perspective for you, that when you do an eight-week course, um, we've got evidence that what happens is the prefrontal cortex of the brain, that that's where all our executive functioning, so our sense of clarity, our sense of focus, our sense of attention, we're actually growing all of that. And uh, what they've also seen, what neuroscientists have also seen is that our ability, as you mentioned before, that contentment, that ability to be at ease with who we are, um, and our own sense of happiness. So that area in the brain also grows. And uh, and you can see these physical structural changes in the brain after eight weeks. So, you know, there's, there's substantial proof that we, that, uh, we can grow the areas of our brains um, that make us more, uh, that give us clarity, that make, give us more sense of attention, that give, you know, everything that we need to keep learning and to keep growing as human beings, not just for others, but in terms of ourselves. It's a wonderful, wonderful training. And we've got so much evidence because you know how it goes. Um, even myself with, you know, being stigmatized many years back when I, um, got involved in meditation and was already, you know, a trained lawyer and I used to meditate. It's very stigmatized. But now, 20, 30 years later, we've got all the scientific proof and scientific evidence that shows that it actually grows your brain and grows your capacity to have, to be more balanced, to be happier as a human being. And of course, when we are happier, when we have more focus, more attention and so forth, we can do better work. We can relate better with others. Our whole lives improve. So it's really something that's already been uh, that's out there and it's proven. And uh, and just to say to you that we're having actually quite a lot of people join our courses these days. So um, I think 
that we are on that cusp where people are um, starting to to come through and starting to, in a way, just learning to take care of themselves in order to be of service for others. Well, Jenny, I think we could positively open the floodgates if we marketed this simply to all of our lawyers as enlarge your brain. Full stop. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually wrote a, 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 an article in a legal journal um, in the early, around 2012, 2013, um, as to how this was developing worldwide in the legal um, in the legal world. It's just been a little bit slower down here, but I think people are catching on. But as you say, if you say to someone, you know what, you, and especially to lawyers, you can actually grow your capacity for attention, for focus, for inner stability, for emotional regulation. I don't think anyone's going to turn us down, <laughs> as you say. I agree. I agree. Now, now, now we've alluded to this, and uh, putting your background as a lawyer aside, do you feel that your impetus towards uh, training specifically for the legal industry is indicative of us reaching a tipping point as an industry in our willingness to embrace concepts such as mindfulness, mental resilience, stress management, and so on? I mean, are we at the tipping point? Have we gone past the tipping point? Or, or, or are we still a long way from the tipping point? I think currently, and thanks for that question, I think it's probably why me and you are having this conversation, you know. We're starting to connect those dots and we're starting to to look around at what's happening. I think especially with COVID worldwide, there is a sense that we are all quite stressed out and we all need to somehow um, get into, a, you know, a new normal or be more creative around um, the ways of being productive and and doing work and connecting with people and so forth. So my sense of it, and I can only speak from the recent courses that I'm running. I've just done a run a uh, an eight-week mindfulness course, which was two hours long. I didn't think that we would get a lot of people on, but I think we've got um, – we had – around almost 60 people on that course and it was one of the largest through law at work so and a lot of them lawyers um and people in the legal profession and um and parliamentarians so people are starting to really come on board and i think me and you have more work to do and to inspire and to motivate others but i think we're at that tipping point and it's wonderful i think people are starting to relate and the more me and you do work like this and we destigmatize um, mental health you know i often say in terms of mental health, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, with our physical health, right? For a lot of us, we know that we've got to remain physically fit. And this is just a way of remaining mentally fit. It's a way for us to learn how to rest, how to be content, how to develop ourselves cognitively. And um, it, it's, it's mental exercises, just the way we would do physical exercises. So uh, my sense is let's get this going. And I hope that uh, me and you can get to do a lot more work and we can motivate lots more people to get involved. and. Uh, and to be of service to others so that we can all help each other, really, at the end of the day. I am absolutely on board with that, Jenny. And I think it's a simple matter of taking the input of, of meditation, of, of, of mental resilience, of self-awareness, of you know uh, auditing oneself. But then just take it – that's the action. Take it one step forward and start talking about the benefits. Mm. You know, people don't say, I go to the gym and lift weights because – 
I like lifting weights. Some people do. They're crazy, but they mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, what they do is like the strength that it gives them, the physique, the uh, you know ability mm-hmm. to feel confident. And I will say the rules apply for mental well-being as well. You know, you lift those mental weights mm-hmm. and the confidence, the assurity, the calmness, the contentness, the outcome is within reach for each and every one of us. It just takes a little bit of self-awareness and committing to something you might not have considered. Um, so, you know, the accessible training you're providing, I think is a great starting point to people to consider. So that that does bring us to time, I am so sad to say. But you, I will say to our listeners, keep your eyes peeled. Jenny and I have been plotting and making plans for, for plenty more uh, mental health content from her as part of our Ubuntu Mental Health Matters uh, initiative. So I will say thank you to Jenny once again for joining me today. And as always, a very big thank you to all of our listeners uh, for the back catalogue of all the episodes in the Africa Legal podcast. You can find these on Spotify, on SoundCloud, or on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe on any one of those platforms to ensure you don't miss the must-listen content that we are trying to provide on at least a weekly basis. So without further ado, I have been Tom Pearson, and this has been the Africa Legal Podcast.